Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode eight of The Informed Catholic. We are now in the second week of Ordinary Time. So uh, let's begin with uh, the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray for me and with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Kiri elision. Kiri elision. Kiri elision. Christe elision. Christe elision. Christe elision. Kiri elision. Kiri elision. Kiri elision. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So, the second week of ordinary time. How do we get to the second week of ordinary time? Well, we were, last week, we celebrated the baptism of our Lord which technically is the end of Christmas and the beginning of ordinary time. It's like a bridge, a point you're crossing. And that, it's sort of one of those things that blend together, but you have to look carefully to see where did, where did it end and where did it begin. And that's, that was the baptism of our Lord. It was the end of his private life and the beginning of his public life. The two points that meet that is very subtle, but at the same time, it was, it was major. It was the epiphany. Epiphany is uh, a revelation. It can be, it's hidden and at the same time, it's revealed. It has two points to it as very mystical and in many ways like for us we got baptized right but at the same time it's two points of our life we end one life and we begin another life it's branches on the same tree right uh, a good example of this is like well when christians at one point there were uh, there were no Christians in the world. It was a big major thing. Pagans were ending their old life, and they were being baptized and beginning their new their their new life. They're the same people. It's the same 
branch, this, I mean the same tree, but different branches. Subtle, but it's there. And then suddenly one day, when Christianity became dominant throughout the land, and it was common to be a Christian, paganism was hard to find. It's hard to find any pagan. You can find a heathen. You can find someone who most likely lives their life secretly as a heathen or publicly as a heathen, someone who drinks, fights, uh, uh, fornicates, doesn't care about their behavior, right? You could do that. But suddenly it became more common to baptize children. And, you know, the more it became common, the more um, it became an ordinary thing, not taken for granted, but it became part of life. It was a responsibility of parents to baptize their children, right? You, you People would say, you know, like Protestants like to say, you should let kids make that choice. Really? Well, do you let the kid make a choice when they're young to eat poison? No. It's your responsibility to make sure they don't eat poison. Do you let your kids do dangerous things that that they don't understand, right? I mean, kids need someone to, to clothe them. Kids need someone to, to teach them how to uh, go to school or to, to read and write. It's your responsibility to make sure your kid stays healthy. It's your responsibility to, to do that. People often think at some point that let them make that choice in their life. It, you know, that is absolutely irresponsible. It's also very selfish. You are responsible for that child. You're responsible for that child to be safe. You're responsible to put a roof over their head. You're responsible to make sure that they dress. You're responsible that they go to school. You're in their life and they are in your life. So it became common that parents had to baptize their kids and families. It takes families to raise kids, not communities, not a village. All right. That's a very socialistic uh, approach and it doesn't work that way. But we are responsible for, for our spiritual also well-being at some point. Um, confirmation became something that was separated from the rest of Easter. Baptism at some point was separated from the rest of Easter. At, this, at some point now in our liturgical lives, we walk with Christ and Christ walks with us. That's what the liturgical cycle is. Later on, confirmation uh, was separated. Um, you know, there was conf actually confirmation was left actually during sometime in Easter or before or after Easter. Confirmation was then um, was done. But then now we are back to our CIAs now, uh, right of Christian initiation. And now our CIAs have become common during Easter. Adults now who have never or entering the Catholic Church coming from another Christian tradition or have never been or have never been baptized are now part of it. So we're going to see that now. We're seeing it more and more now. 
The problem is, is that Catholics have one big major problem. We, we don't do communities. We don't do Christian communities very well. It's a big problem within Catholic churches. We, it's, it could be a cultural thing or it could be, I honestly believe, I don't really think it's a cultural thing. A lot of people like to say it's a cultural thing. I know because I'm a convert to Catholicism and culturally, I have to say, honestly, in the big cities, Catholics are terrible when it comes to communities, but Protestants, Protestants have better communities. If you go to Protestant churches, they do communities a lot better. They get to know each other. They get to have, you know, they, they have parties. They meet together. They go out. They watch a movie. They have prayer groups. Protestants go to churches more than just once a week. They actually go to churches, um, it turns out, um, like they can go, they go to Bible studies. They go to prayer groups. Sometimes they go three times a week. Catholics don't do that. We don't do that. We don't do that. And our pastors don't get involved with our lives that much. It's our priests don't do that. It's, it's, it's a very sad thing. And I think maybe we need to try to do something about that. We really need to, to do something about that. We really need to change that because we're not, you know, Paul himself says in his letters to encourage and strengthen strengthening each other you know there's a guy named um gabby uh he's um very big on the rosary he does a lot of talks does a lot of encouragements and he's very much involved with young people and um he he talks about having a rosary group where you make rosaries you know for uh, for people to pass them out you know people can contribute and do that it would be nice, I think, if we had something like that. But unfortunately, it's very hard to do that for for something. And I, but I think if you can, if you can get a few friends together and have a Bible group, a prayer, a prayer, uh, a Bible reading, Bible study group, a rosary prayer group, uh, where you guys can get together and do novenas, maybe that would be great if you can you know if you can perhaps have the access to um a part of your church or if someone's willing to have him in people's homes like once a week it could be in someone else's home it's possible if if someone can if it has the space to provide that that would be great but that's something that takes a little bit of a work and uh, in everything. So I have been doing the St. Louis de Montfort's Consecration. There's a book here. I actually like it. It's really good. This one is 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration. You choose a target date like uh, Lourdes, the Our Lady of Lourdes, and you go, um, you choose that day to attend it and you consecrate yourself completely to Mary. There's another one here is this is a, a preparation for total consecration to Jesus Christ through Mary. It's the same thing. And there's one here by Tam Books. I think it's by St. Louis again. It's St. Louis de Montfort's um, 
total consecration to Jesus through Mary, 33 days method of prayer and meditation, according to St. Louis de Montfort. This one's published by 10 books. Um, um, they, they choose a particular scripture passage. Louis Montfort chose also from the imitation of Christ. I believe he did. It was him who put it together. And then he has something for, from, um, uh, true devotion to Mary, uh, some of his writings or secret of the rosary. It's all revolved around the rosary. The rosary is a very important thing because the rosary uh, is the best Marian devotion, but it's also Christ-centered. Christ-centered um, prayers. It's focused on the gospel. And it's also uh, a good way for you to talk because what you do is through Mary, you get you you learn to love Jesus through Mary. You learn to be devoted to Jesus through Mary. Remember, like Luke says in his gospel, she pondered and kept all these things in her heart. We got to know Jesus through her. Uh, there's an interesting passage in the show, The Chosen, where the actress, uh, Vanessa Benevente, talking to one of the characters, uh, the disciples, a uh, young woman named uh, Rama. Um, and Rama's trying to understand Jesus. She's trying to understand who Jesus is. And the character, uh, the actress playing Blessed Mother says, Sometimes my son is as a, as much as a mystery to me as he is to you. Now that's very good. But at the same time, she loved him as her son, her own son, as he is. He was born through her. And she also, when she was devoted to him and loved him and worshipped him as her Lord, and her Lord and God, Our Lady. So she knew him better than anybody else. And as much as she knew him and loved him better than anybody else, he was still a mystery to her. That's, that's a fantastic when you think about it. But now she's with him in glory. She's with him in glory. And she can bring us to him. There's a scene where they had, it, obviously it's, it's, um, it's using artistic license where the character of Mary Magdalene fell away, had doubts and about herself that she can't live up to being a disciple because of her past and everything. And they brought her back. And there's a scene where Vanessa ben Benevente playing Mary took Mary Magdalene to, to meet Jesus. And it was intercession, but she was quiet. And she just let Mary Magdalene talk to Jesus. And of course, Jonathan Rumi playing Jesus is talking to her. But she stood there holding Mary, supporting her silently. And that's, that's a good way. That's a good way of, 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 of approaching it. It's a, it, this is, yes, there's a lot in here that's not in the Gospels, but it's a way of, it's, it's a meditation. It's a, it's a lacido divina prayer.
but I like it and I think it's great. And I think this is some way to look at it. In for us, it's the show is evangelical, but we can still find things in it that are Catholic for us. And as Catholics, we believe the same blessed mother brings us to Jesus and teaches us how to love Jesus and teaches us how to worship Jesus and teaches us how to be devoted to Jesus, committed to Jesus. And that's what we do because uh, Jesus came into the world through his mother and Jesus Jesus wants us to come to him through his mother and through the saints as well, but mostly his mother. She's the queen of saints. She's the mother of all saints and she leads the way. She shows us. And I think this is something we we need to do. The, the total consecration is to give yourself completely to Jesus through her, to, to surrender yourself completely to Jesus through her. And I, and I, and I totally believe in that. Let's begin with the reading. Okay. The first reading is from Isaiah 62, verse 1 to 5. The bridegroom rejoices in his bride. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her vindication shines forth like the dawn and her victory like a burning torch. Nations shall behold your vindication and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, pronounced by the mouth of the Lord. You shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal didium held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight and your land espoused. For the Lord delights in you and makes your hand, your land his, his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder will marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, Psalm 96. From uh, verse 1 to 2, 2 to 3, 7 to 8, 9 to 10. Response for Psalm 96 is proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all you lands. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Announce his salvation day after day. Tell his glory among the nations, among all the people, his wondrous deeds. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Give to the Lord, you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord his glory due his name. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Worship the Lord in his holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He governs his people with equity. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Uh, reading from the letter of, uh, first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 11 by St. Paul. One and the same Spirit distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. 
There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of services, but the same Lord. There are different work, workings, but the same God, who produces all of them in everyone. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for, for some benefit. To one is given through the, uh, through the Spirit the expression of wisdom. To another, the expression of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, mighty deeds. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, varieties of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit produces all these, distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. Okay, one more time. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit, meaning the same Holy Spirit. There are different forms of services, but the same Lord, the same Lord God, Holy Spirit. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each individual, the manifestation of, this, of the Holy Spirit is given for some, for some benefit. To one is given through the Holy Spirit the expression of wisdom. To another, expression of knowledge according to the same Holy Spirit. To another, faith by the same Holy Spirit. To another, gifts of prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits, to another varieties of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Holy Spirit produces all these, distrib distributing them individually to each person as he, God, the Holy Spirit wishes. Okay, so I'll read it one more time. Okay, but without my, uh, in, uh, what do you call it? break you no know, interpreting these are different there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit there are different forms of services but the same lord there are different workings but the same god who produces all of them in everyone to each individual the manifestation of the spirit is given for some benefit to one given through the same spirit the expression of wisdom to another, the expression of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, mighty deeds. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, varieties of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit produces all these, distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. Alleluia, alleluia. God has called us through the gospel to possess the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 14. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs in Cana of Galilee taken from John, uh, it's the Gospel of John, Gospel of St. John, chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. You're reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited, 
to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine without knowing whether it came from where it came from although the service who had drawn the water knew the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him everyone serves good wine first and then when people have drunk freely an, inf uh, an inferior one but you have kept the good wine until now jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at cana in galilee and so revealed his glory and his disciples began to believe in him. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I actually don't like that translation uh, from the New American Bible in the Missal. So I'm going to read from the New Catholic version, which is a lot better. Okay, so let's begin chapter two, verse one. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. When the wine was exhausted, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus responded, Woman, what concern is this to us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, standing nearby, there were six stone water jars of the type used for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus instructed the servants, fill the, the, jar, the jars with water. When they had filled them to the brim, he ordered them now draw some out and take it to the chief steward and they did so when the chief steward tasted the water that had become wine he did not know where it came from although the servants who had drawn the water knew the chief steward called over the bridegroom and said everyone serves the choice wine first and then an inferior vintage when the guests had been drinking for a while. However, you had saved the best wine until now. Jesus performed this, the first of his signs at Cana in Galilee, thereby revealing his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brethren, and his disciples. They remained there for a few days. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, this particular uh, translation, really, uh, it's um, not very well done. The, new, uh, the um, new American Bible. The New American Bible, I have to say, it's a, I don't know who translated it. It's just very bad. It doesn't 
it's um, I don't know. It just it's too loose and not okay. The 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 head, the master headmaster of ceremonies, is sort of like a rabbi. He basically makes sure that everything is done properly and done uh, in, according to the law of Moses. It's it's not just a head waiter. He's the master of ceremonies. In in many ways, his job is to make sure that it's done properly. That everyone, whenever they taste the wine, they always say, "Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the Universe, who gives us the wine uh, of fruit." Fruit, you know, fruit of the earth and work of human hands and everyone because the wine is sacred they don't just drink wine they have to say a, a, a prayer a blessing because wine was according to belief it was one of the things that Adam and uh, bread and wine was brought to the Lord God and presented to the Lord God in the Garden of Eden it was the original sacrifice uh, Melchizedek the, uh, the high priest of God in Salem, which will become Jerusalem, uh, brought bread and wine, this mysterious figure who was high priest of God and brought bread and wine when he met Abraham. And he gave Abraham a blessing. He passed down the high priesthood down to Abraham and to Abraham's offspring. He anointed Abraham. He poured uh, um, oil over him and laid his hands on him. That's that mysterious figure brought bread and wine and he passed the high priesthood down to him, which would be passed down through Isaac and Isaac would pass it down to Jacob and Jacob passed it down to his sons, which later on was marked on Levi to, to technically because the Levites would be the priests of and, and the keepers of the faith. But they here in the translation, they call the the uh, the master of ceremonies, the head steward, the head steward. They call him uh, a head waiter. He's not a head waiter. There's more to his title than just that. And it basically takes away from what this, what the wedding at Cana is. It, you know, the, 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 his responsibility, his responsibility is to make sure that the wedding ceremony is done proper according to tradition. According to tradition, he's not a mere waiter. He's not the head waiter. He's not a uh, someone who, like a caterer or something like that. And it's kind of sad the way they did it here because it takes away from our understanding. Notice what Jesus said. Take the wine and bring it to the master ceremonies so he can taste it. He has to taste the wine to make sure that the wine is proper that it's not like so bad, like a, a lower quality wine. It has to be of a quality wine that tastes like wine. It may not be the highest vintage, but it can be, but it, it's still well enough that it can be for, uh, it can pass and it be a blessing uh, that they can say the proper blessing because you can't say like poor quality wine, so bad it cannot be used like for the Sabbath. It cannot be used for other ceremony, other important events like weddings, wedding ceremonies. It has to be wine. In, 
The quality may not be the highest vintage, but it's still wine. And that's that's why. And here they call him just the head waiter. He's not the head waiter. Okay. He's the master of ceremonies. And uh, the, the, the New American Bible kind of ruins that. But the point is, is that wedding, marriage, um, there's some people who, who, who look at it from, they look at it so shallowly, like make it look like as though it's, it's um, an oppression, that it was created as an economic thing. It's not. Marriage is comes from God. Now, men, human beings, can corrupt it. It could be, you know, like I saw the movie The Last Duel, and it was it was a very sad film, kind of, and it was a medieval, and the character played by Matt Damon only married the wife so he can get his hands on her property. Because women in Europe brought dowries and they had to bring something in. And he wanted certain lands that her father owned that had good vintage, like for growing wine. And, but marriage is not about property. It's about getting close to God. It's about being close to God because marriage, God created man and woman to reflect, to reflect his glory. And his glory is to create a society, a healthy society. And our society now today <clears throat> downgrades marriage, treats it as an oppression, and treats it like it's nothing. And it elevates the indi to individuals, but it doesn't give purpose and meaning to individuals' lives. You know, uh, there's going to, like I used to say in other podcast episodes, there's going to be a lot of lonely, unhappy, miserable people in the next couple of years, like my generation, as they reach retirement years, there's going to be unhappy people, unhappy, sad people with no purpose and meaning to their lives. You know, everyone's chasing after like fall, uh, you know, illusions, like artistic illusions about themselves, um, you know, illusions of, uh, that's never going to happen. You know how many artists, I always say this, you know how many artists are in the world? I mean, you could, people call themselves artists. Many of them never make it as artists. The same thing like people never make it as actors. And happiness, you ask them what, what, What's what will make you happy? They think of a career. Individualism is really also an illusion. <clears throat> I mean, what kind of you know, God created an individual, but what the world tells you what an individual is is false. Notice here, it's a wedding. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus was also invited. So this family was important to her. It was so important to her. They were important to her, to her heart. She was close to them. She was close to this young couple. She was close to the family. And she wanted her son to be there. And when they ran out of wine, she was concerned because running out of wine in that time where for a wedding, 
is a humiliating thing. It really is. It's a humiliating, sad thing. They have to have enough wine. And obviously the fam- the, the, the bride's family <laughs> brought guests. And the, the bridegroom himself, his father and mother brought guests. So these people either had to have money and to run out of wine. And it does, it's not just one day, people. It's several days. Wedding ceremonies did not last just one day back then. I know because in the Middle East, there's several days of ceremony at the bride's house. And there's several days of ceremony at the bridegroom's house. And you got to have food. Uh, you got to have, you make, you got you to gotta make sure you have enough for everybody. And of course, Muslim, when, when I come from, Muslims didn't drink wine. So you're going to have to have tea, coffee. You're going to have to have lots of fruit. And you're going to have to have lots of soda. Soda's become a big thing. So you're going to be loaded with sugar. And then you have to have uh, a dinner where you, um, we call it mensef. It's like this flatbread and they put rice on it and they put pine nuts on it and there's boiled meat. It could be beef or lamb. And there's several trays you give out to like several people depending, like there's a lot of a lot of it and you're gonna have a lot, sadly lots of leftovers. Well, hopefully not. You know, people are standing around, like you sit around in a circle. It's, it's an old Bedouin thing because everybody eats around it like in a circle. It's, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it, it may not be tasty to a Westerner, maybe appealing or appetizing to some Westerners, but it can be done better for more Western consumption. I've seen it in restaurants where they do it, but still... It's exp- it, it'll be expensive. I mean, back then, maybe the cost is different in the Middle East than it is here. Uh, but over here, it's uh, weddings are more expensive. It's more expensive. I mean, you got the limousine also. Well, now over there, they have limousines as well. But it's people would dance. They would dance around the car. You see a lot of women, they do this dancing thing. They would dance around the car. They decorate the car. They put designs like flowers on the car and everything. The bride gets picked up from her home and gets in the car with her husband or her, you know, and then they go you go from the house and there's like when the women would dance and sing around the car and everything, you know, and then they, you know, you see a lot of those Middle Eastern noise they make, you know, and everything. And it's, you know, it's, it's has the same sort of celebration that you probably would have seen in Jesus day where the bridegroom goes, picks up the bride and everybody would sing and dance towards the bridegroom's house where his family and they would have what they call a hupa, which is uh, a canopy. You see, actually, if you go to the Catholic church in some Catholic churches, old ones, you'll see a canopy, which is like a head, like a, there's four poles and there's a covering over it. Originally, like in Europe, they had the same thing in people's houses. The rich would have it sometimes. They were around the bed and there's a covering over the bed, which is supposed to represent God's covering over the family over the, the husband and wife because it represents their home. It represents also their relationship with God. And that's, the bed is also an altar for the husband and wife in a sense. 
um, that also is a callback to to um, the 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 uh, what do you call it the the tent of meeting, sort of like uh, you know where Moses and and uh, the Ark of the Covenant was kept in and was be called the tent of meeting, which is like a chuppah, a, a covering, and that's that represents the you know the meeting with God and Adam and Eve, also the covering was God. When Jesus went up the mountain, and the mountain uh, where he where the transfiguration, you also had a covering. And the cover, you know, the, the the cloud came over them. During that time, it was the it was during the feast of booths, the feast of tabernacles. And remember, Simon Peter said, "Rabbi, uh, let us build three booths here: one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah." Because it represented God covering over them. When Jesus got baptized a week before, the heavens were torn open. That means. The curtain in heaven that was sealed by Adam was turned open. So it's kind of a callback because man made a covering. Sin was the covering, basically. But now heaven tore open through the, the sealing, that the, 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 the closing that Adam committed by his sin. So the Holy Spirit came down. And the new covering, the true covering is God. Remember what in Gabriel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. And the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. That's God. God is her covering. God is her shelter. She is the new tabernacle. And therefore the Son of God will take uh, uh, incarnation through her. Through her, you know, taking from her humanity. And it becomes his humanity. And he becomes the person called Jesus. But as the divine person, he's always existed, pre-existed, even pre-existed her. He was, he existed with God. It's the same, you know, callback. So we participate in that. He is supposed to be our covering. He's supposed to be our shelter. The word became flesh, became flesh. In another translation, it says, pitched his tent among us made his tabernacle with us, made his home with us in our humanity. But, you know, when you look at this and when Jesus says to her, what has this got to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His hour meaning his passion that's about to come, his passion, the coming of when he sacrifices himself to, to atone for our sins and also to make his um his claim on humanity permanent you know his through his passion and blood soul and suffering and divinity you know through his divinity his, his relationship with, with us is permanent mary turns around and what did she say to this to the servants do whatever he tells you this is also a message to us she's interceding and then she's letting him do what he has to do from there because she didn't say anything else. She didn't press it. She just turned around and said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She's also saying that to us. When on the foot of the cross, he gave his mother to us. She's, oh, she's now our mother. We are in the family. We're not 
apart from it. We are in the family of Christ. We're baptized. We're confirmed. We went through all the ceremonies. We are part of the family. We are also part of the wedding. Later on in the book of Revelation, the apocalypse of John, blessed are all those who come to the, who participate in the wedding feast of the Lamb. This wedding at Cana was a wedding feast. And the word apocalypse means to unveil, to reveal. It's a wedding term. It's a wedding. The bride, the church is unveiled and revealed. It's, it, you know, we are part of it. We are participating. And when we go to communion, when we go to mass every day or on Sundays, we are participating in the wedding feast of the Lamb. The apocalypse is not about the Antichrist. It's not about the Armageddon war. It's about the mass. It's about the liturgy. This, it was a blueprint for the liturgy. Yes, it shows troubles and tribulations and it shows the beast, but the beast is someone who will attack the church constantly attack the church like what we're going through right now is an attack we're going through uh people who are trying in the church sadly our own ministers and priests and bishops who are trying to um conform the church conform the liturgy to the world conform the sacred banquet the sacred mystery to the world to politicians these are men who have not given up the love of the world and they have not loved Christ completely. These are men who, who basically follow the spirit of the age. And the spirit of the age is the trends of the world, the, the, the fashion of the world. Um, yeah, I'm going to read a, um, an article later, an article from Crisis Magazine. I'm going to try to put it together as soon as I can. And basically the 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 same thing what Anthony Esselon said. They're always following trends, you know, trends like the modernist, Marxist modernist. They want to, in the, in the article you'll see later on, they don't ever really say, and it's not by Anthony Esselon, it's by someone else, but the, the it's about a Jesuit who is a good prime example of someone who follows the spirit of the world. No one ever says, I'm an avowed Marx um, modernist. No one ever says that because they, they technically, they can't. But modernism embraces the individual. It holds the individual captive. And it, this, this individual is of two minds. They don't know if they want to give themselves completely to Christ. They want to be in Christ. But the truth is, they chase after the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age. And the spirit of the age is the fashions of the time. They one in, in another age they could say, um, they don't believe in the incarnation, like in the second century, the Council of Nicaea. In this age, they could deny the virgin birth completely say the virgin birth is ridiculous right and then they could divide uh and 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 maybe in later on in 20 years or 15 years they'll say they deny that jesus even is the divine i don't believe he's god so all three 
basically are related to each other because his incarnation and his vir the virgin birth is all connected to his divinity. But the person runs with the spirit of the age. He runs with the times. He needs to try to stay relevant with the times. It's, it's the same thing with these bishops. They run after the world. They run after the world. The world doesn't, you know, and after the world, but not really. But what happens, they hold, they're captive to the world. They're captive really to the world. They're captive to the times that they live in. They haven't given themselves completely to Christ. They don't know how. And <clears throat> that's what it is. It's the, like Paul calls it the spirit of the age. I mean, you, the, the, Jesus seminar, or what do they what do they do? They they say we need to strip away the Jesus of faith. What they're saying is it's all mythology. It's all mythology. The miracles, the the um, the so called virgin birth and all that stuff. It's stuff that came later that the that the world built on the the church added to it. They went on to say things like the gospel of John is anti-Semitic because it says Jews, the Jews, this, the Jews, that. The next thing they'll go on to say, they'll say things like um, the, the Jesus was an accidental uh, Messiah. He walked into Jerusalem and he found himself becoming the, uh, caught up with, the, with, 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 with it. He's a re really a revolutionary. Things like that. Then they made him into a, a, a Mahatan Gandhi. Then they made him into... Um, the the um a, a Martin Luther King, and then next thing later on they'll probably call him a Karl Marx. The point is, it's the spirit of the age, and we, when we are living the Christian life, when we embrace Jesus as He truly is, God, we participate in the life of Christ. We participate in the life of the liturgy which is what we go through every day of our lives. We, we, we let him into our lives, all right? We embrace him, he takes us, and we become one with him in marriage. We are married to Christ. All of us are one in Christ Jesus, as St. Paul says. But we have to do it according to his terms. To his terms, not to these people. These people disappear. All the stuff that they said is outdated now. It's outdated material. They're outdated. People who will follow the age are always going to be outdated. They're never, they're never going to be with us. The guy called Gary Wills, that's the article I'm going to read about later on. He, his book that he wrote, Why I'm, I'm Still a Catholic or Why I'm a Catholic. I can't remember the exact title. The author who writes the article says it's pretty outdated and that's the key. They're outdated. These people are going to be outdated. There's mold on it. The same thing like Anthony Eslin said in his other um, Tradition is No Dead Thing. Uh, liberation theology has mold on it now. It's outdated. They're stuck. Oh, that's why revolutionaries are always stuck in their decade, the decade that they came of age that they came into being. That's why nobody cares about them. That's why it always revolutionaries have to revamp themselves, reinvent themselves, and they reinvent themselves because they're never relevant. But Christ is always relevant. Christ is always true.
I'm going to end it here and uh, let's go to the closing prayer. Okay, so let's say a Hail Mary for, for the church, uh, for the Catholic Church, that, uh, that the church militant on earth can be restored back um, to its unity, uh, that there's no more division, that um, we can be devoted to Christ, be committed to Christ, that we will um, hold on to the sacraments, be respectful and show true devotion to the sacraments. There's a lot of abuses going around in the Catholic Church today. There's a lot of uh, priestly abuses. There's a lot of people using the church for social justice. There's a lot of people trying to spread confusion, error, um, heresy, uh, uh, basically um, homosexual heresy, uh, there's a lot of people that want to hijack the church and use the church to uh, hijack the priesthood to make it into a priesthood of um, women, you know, um, change the priesthood. And there's a lot of uh, people who uh, bishops who want to uh, change the church's teaching by gay marriage. There's a lot of priests who bishops and priests who want to, uh, especially giving out Holy Communion to uh publicly known sinners, especially those who support gay marriage and support abortion and contraception. They're not supposed to do that. We have to say a Hail Mary for this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And then uh, let's say uh, a Hail Mary for, for Pope Francis. Uh, we can disagree with him all we want. That's fine. That's 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 okay. We can argue with with some of the things he says. That's fine. Um, that's fine. We can do that. Um, we don't have to agree with his politics. We don't have to agree with his interpretation. But we have to pray for him. Uh, Christ gave us this kind of pope now, in order to make us more loyal to him, more loyal to the church. Okay? The Pope is part of the church. The Pope is not the church. Christ is the church. All right? But we have to pray for him. Pray for him. Pray for his conversion. Pray, pray for, his, uh, for him to wake, to wake up, that his eyes, his mind, his heart can be opened up spiritually. So let's say a, a Hail Mary for him. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. And now the next one we'll say is a Hail Mary for all Catholics, again, for families. Let's say a Hail Mary for families, um, that uh, families can, um, their families are suffering now financially, especially here in America, but I'm sure it's around the world. Um, families are also, uh, there's a lot of divorces. There's a lot of broken families. So let's say a Hail Mary for that. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And now we'll say the, uh, the creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. He rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and, and look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. All right, folks. Uh, God bless and be well. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.